This podcast is recorded on the stolen lands of the Pangarang people. We acknowledge their continuing fight for justice. Well may we say, God save the Queen, because nothing will save the Governor-General. You know I've searched my heart to prove There's better ways to push and pull Hey, whatever gets you through these days. Hello, and welcome to Well May We Say, a progressive podcast about Australian politics. This is episode 156 for Saturday, 22nd of October 2022. I'm Jeremy Siapico, and each week I'll be joined by either a different guest host or a returning, well established and beloved guest host. My beloved wife, Denise Pico. Welcome back, Denise. Hello, good to be here. And this is a podcast about Australian politics, so we're not going to be talking about the complete schmozzle that is uh, what's happening to the UK at the moment, other than to note the situation where they are now four prime ministers in since the last election. They're, they're just basically working down the list of already shoddy Conservative Party <laughs> candidates because they have five-year terms as well as first past the post voting so they lock in yeah. either Labour or the, or the Tories yeah, who can win, who can form government. It's bizarre. But the only relevance of that to Australia in particular is that it's a nice little reminder today why any time that a major party says, you know what, three years isn't long enough. Let's have longer terms. We should say, no, 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 no. Yeah. General elections. We want, we want that safety valve of general elections that you can't... Like the fact that the Tories right now in the UK can just go... Yeah, I know you'll want a general election, but we'll be wiped out, so no. Exactly. So we have a spinny wheel here with a bunch of names and faces around it, and we're just like sort of Wheel of Fortune style. We're going to spin the wheel and just see where it ends. Oh, look, Boris Johnson came up again. Let's go with that. Look, a month and a half ago, we thought that Liz Trust was better than all of our alternatives. And that now we're going to appoint one of the alternatives that was worse than Liz Trust a month and a half ago. Come on, no whammy, no whammy, no whammy. Oh. Anyway, five-year terms. Terrible idea. Four-year terms. Terrible idea. Elections, the only time when we get to keep, have some kind of say in what's going on, never agree to them increasing them beyond the three years. So one of the things that's really got me this week has been this revelation of how, how many Australians who claim that they love sports people and claim that they love sport have been incredibly quick to turn on elite sports people, people who are very good at the sports, if they have at any point stood up and said, no, I'm not, I want to play my sport, but I'm not prepared to prostitute myself by giving endorsements and advertising for, or in fact, wearing the logos of environmentally harmful companies or um, companies with a strong history of racism. I'm not prepared to advocate for money just beca- for companies just because they give money to the sport, which is effectively a way of laundering their reputations anyway. Yeah, it is. And how quickly Australians have been to turn around and be like, well, if you won't do this, you can quit and you shouldn't be allowed to play this sport and I hope they cut funding for all of the sport. So let's go back a couple of steps. And by the way, I I use the word prostituting there quite deliberately because that's what prostituting is. Prostituting is doing something unethical for money. That's why sex work is not prostitution because it's not doing something unethical for money. This is prostitution. What politicians do when they lobby for the rich, that's prostitution. 
what is being demanded of these sports people is that's prostituting themselves. But so let so we go back. So what what actually happened? We had we had both Cricket Australia, we had Pat Cummins at Cricket Australia, and we had Gina Reinhardt and Hancock prospecting. So literally yeah. named after her. I would dope the water up so that they were sterile and would breed themselves out in future, and that would solve the problem. Father, that guy. Yeah, that guy. exactly. Um, Which is that's charming and lovely. Yeah, it's not even named Reinhardt. It's named Hancock prospecting. Yeah. Well, Let's start with Pat Cummins and the cricket first, because what happened to the women's sport, the Diamonds netball team, segues into the second issue, which is these these same people who say that women's sport is the the fundamental thing that they believe in when they're attacking trans people suddenly turn on the actual female sports people. But let's get back to that. So Cricket Australia has had a multiple year deal with Alinta Energy, and Pat Cummins has previously been in advertising and promotional material, and he said this last year of the deal, which is ending next year, he's not going to... or appear in anything. And he said he brought his concerns and players' other concerns to Cricket Australia, but Cricket Australia claimed that they didn't take those concerns into consideration and that Alinta is just ending it because they're changing their strategy and their branding. So it's a bit bit of best of both worlds because Cricket Australia is saying, we don't actually listen to the players or take those concerns under consideration. It's the other people who are changing it. So they can't even get on the high foot of, we thought that Perhaps having a massive fossil fuel energy organization supporting our sport wasn't the best idea, considering climate change and all of that. But then it's also, I think, saying that we don't listen to our players at all. Which they don't. And what gets me... So, first of all, there's a whole lot of the response to this with being... You, you can guess. It's the classic nib cartoon of the... I wish to change society. I saw him put petrol in his car last yeah. week, and he's saying he won't put Alinta Energy ads beyond Alinta Energy When he anymore. plays cricket overseas, he doesn't row a boat there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the... Um, I think we should change society. And yet you participate in society. <laughs> Curious. I am very intelligent. That cartoon. Yes. Yes, exactly. It's like the people who, who invented the car road horses people who like, every time you do something every, every every change you advocate for you live in a world without that change first yes and it has been amazing to me seeing how quickly the okay this this is comments to like uh, this isn't even news corp this is a today tv story on this on facebook some comments Pat was more than happy to pick up his IPL fee from one of the largest polluters in the world in India. Another hypocritical climate change warrior who is a bigger offender than most, albeit unconsciously. I hope... This is, so this is from a cricket supporter, supposedly. I hope no one touches Cricket Australia now and player wages get slashed. Consequences. Gene says, no sponsorship deals then goes all your big... There goes all your big wages. All overpaid as it is. Be great to see that money going down into the grassroots of the sports. It won't. Mm-hmm. No, it never does. No, well, because these... The, the deal here is these organisations give money and in this particular, like, we'll get to Hancock in a minute, but but Alinta Energy, like, this is literally, he's not saying they can't sponsor us. He's just saying, I'm not going to appear in their ads. And they're yeah. like, fine, fine then. No, no. But they say, Alinta also says that it has nothing to do with him saying that. That is just the decision they made. Mm-mm. It's just coincidence. Well, they can all go back to amateur status and get nothing and have to pay their own way. Hypocrisy at its finest. And, and Reed here says... I think if he wants to become political, he should have his Cricket Australia contract terminated. Mm. Now, that's an interesting comment because I'm pretty sure that advocating for a fossil fuel company is itself political. But have you noticed how the right have defined political to mean arguing with the stuff I like and just they just assume that the stuff that they like but isn't is canceled? neutral? Like it's exactly, like it's like, exactly. like it's like the complaint they have about all the superhero movies or whatever, like when they're like, oh, this woke thing where you're having people who aren't white. Like, white is the default and should be the default. Yes, exactly. Like, 
And, and, My politics and you're is the allowed, Yours you, the you're allowed yeah. to have one person who is either has a disability or is a person of color or is a queer person, but you can't have all three and you can't have all, all like many, multiple of those identities in one person because then it's woke. I also think that that's a massive, the quote unquote cancel culture that they keep being accused of. He should have his, his contract canceled. Like, Well, this is actually a slight aside for a second. I think that, you know how the right likes to turn around and be like, Oh, I'm offended, or they like to use what they imagine left-wing language is based on what right-wing people portray it as and criticise it as. But the left-wing thing about being offended was using right-wing framing to start with. Like, the whole traditional image, if you went back 30 years, the idea of somebody taking offence would be a very conservative thing. It would be a a snooty elite person taking offence at somebody using... Uh, rude language, mm. or or having a person of low class, you know, in a place, or or people being gay, or or of different races. Like the traditional offence thing is somebody from a position of privilege going, I don't like a thing that's challenging that. And then I think it was it backfired, but the left used that language to describe what they really meant, which was uh, people causing harm. yeah, yeah, causing actual harm to people. And, and they and and so then the right was able to portray the lefties calling out a powerful person bullying a less powerful person on the basis of the harm that caused, and the rights were able to come back and say, oh, you're just taking offence, and oh, I'm offended, portraying the victim, the person without the power, as if they were a privileged, powerful person demanding everybody obey them. And that, and that whole language has been able to frame all of these things to the right, to their right, the right-wing audience as being like, it's the left that's powerful. Yeah. When that's a complete inversion of the reality. The left is advocating for the less powerful people. And somehow, by using that language, the right has been able to turn it around and make it seem like the people who don't have power who are calling it out and saying, just please precious. stop. Exactly. And so this thing here, cancelling people, that has been, the right have been doing that forever. Mm-hmm. Anybody who stands up and advocates for the poor, for the, for any marginalised group, the establishment has always crushed them. Yeah. Bullied them out of it. The people with the power have been cancelling anybody who challenges that power for the entirety of human history. And yet they've turned it around like like it's a lefty thing to do. Yeah, they, they really have. And anyway, we see it here. Like, this is just one more example. This sort of thing happens all the time. Here is somebody standing up and saying, no, I am literally not willing to, for money, advocate for a fossil fuel company. I'm not willing to prostitute myself. And all of these people are so quick to be like, well then, here we go. This has taken the shine off me watching cricket this season. Really disappointing, Pat, getting on your high horses, but only when it suits you. Wish you weren't our captain. John, he's lost me, bloody upstart. I thought, always thought he was a pretty good bloke and a good cricketer. No more. Literally, you thought he was a pretty good bloke and a good cricketer, but because he wasn't willing to shill for an, an energy company, you're like, no more. Because he took a stand that is not a stand that you agree with, because he stood up for something. It is, I think, tied into the Australian tall poppy syndrome that I find quite uh, prevalent. which is that people are willing to, you know, it's our Nick, it's our Pat, it's our this sort of thing, until they do something out of line and then you they cut them down or they get a bit too up on themselves or they they this is it that's the thing they're saying oh they're too big for their britches they're thinking that they can say no to a corporate sponsorship and so it's like cut them right down that's interesting because the, the tall poppy thing is a thing that the right complains about they're, they're like oh we're only criticizing we on the left are only criticizing the the billionaires and the and the people with all the money and resources because we're jealous and because we they're tall poppies and we have to cut them down and yet you're right it, it is actually Okay, I, th- I think that what it is is that centrally Australians are quite aware that there are people at the top who hate hate ordinary people and are screwing us. Mm. And we're all aware of that. And so it is a very powerful political thing to turn around and redirect that to a person you don't like, which is why they, the attack on, say, the Greens as being elites, because you can portray them as being 
because Greens voters are better educated generally, or they a lot of them because of the way that our society is structured, you might you're more likely to have progressive ideals if you've had the opportunity to sit back. And you're, have you're probably more secondary privileged. Education, and have some, a bunch of other things, yes. Yeah, and so you can portray the people who are literally advocating for taxing the rich more. Yeah. As if they're the elites. And the people who are screwing you all, people like Gina Reinhart. Let's get on to Gina Reinhart. Gina Reinhart, who, her wealth, 2019 to 2020, was like up $20 billion and she paid half a billion in taxes. So, like... uh, Well, that's the thing. Like, even with her taxes... That's like 2.5%. Even with the boom that... Because primary materials are costing so much more right now uh, because of post-COVID demands on construction, uh, restrictions on supply... Even with the more taxes they're paying, because they're selling more and at a higher rate, it's still an infinitesimal percentage of what they're actually making. Yeah, exactly. The idea that she can pay 2.5% tax on growing her wealth by $20 billion is ridiculous. Mm. But he's calling for that. He's like, oh, you're attacking a tall poppy. No. Well, in the sense that, yes... She is a wealthy person who he's not... That money's not coming out of nowhere. That money but comes from someone. They portray her... Like, they then do something like the media piece trying to portray her as, like, the Aussie battler. You know, the woman who's made it in a man's world. And there she is wearing her hat and... In, in a... In a com- it's, it's funny. Like, how, how, she pretty pulled herself up from the bootstraps, didn't she? Gina, Gina, I was like, how did she end up um, head of Hancock prospecting? It's weird. Do you reckon that, that, that she... I don't know. It's, it's hard to guess if she had any support from her father, Lang Hancock. Uh, it, there was some connection between that and the fact that she's head of Hancock Prospecting. Do you think there's a connection between mm. those two things? It's hard to say. Anyway, Hancock Prospecting was going to sponsor the Australian Diamonds netball mm. team. I think it was $15 million. Netball Australia, actually. Like, So they're going to sponsor the Diamonds, but they're going to give a lot of money to Netball Australia. They're not now. They can't, they're pulling no. back. They, because... They've said they're going to do four months to, if they'll accept it, to allow them time to find another sponsor. So, again... So in this case, this one's even more going. At least one of the players did not, who as an indigenous player, did not want to wear any outfits that have Hancock prospecting on them. Yeah. Breed themselves out and fisk, and that would solve the problem. Solve the problem. Solve the problem. Yeah. For the record, Jin has never repudiated that, uh, and yeah. the company has his name on it. It's not even but her it, name. Her it name isn't, isn't just, even Hancock. And it isn't just that player who's objecting. There are a number of players objecting, and that's part of the problem. And they're again being cut down. I find it interesting that one of the things that, you know, Hancock and Reinhardt said in their statement was that it's unnecessary for sports organizations to be used as a vehicle for social or political causes. When your very company is a political vehicle, like it is causing massive harm to the climate. It is causing harm to communities in remote areas in Australia. In its nature, both a political and a social vehicle, there are entire groups and societies and communities whose social networks and everything is dependent on your mind being there and structured by your mind being there. Well, they're trying Um, to take a huge amount of water out of the system. Yeah, exactly. And and not in a good way. I'm not saying like they provide like a great social network, but they've been constructed by this, that it's it's really... And and keep in mind, Jennifer Hancock, very specifically does a lot to influence politics in this oh, country. Oh, God, yeah. She, gives a, she, she just gives a huge amount to the... Oh, my goodness, we missed the point where we could talk about how the IPA is collapsing. But anyway, let's, we'll deal with that. Um, but yeah, Gina Reinhart, very political, yeah. heavily involved in, in um, conservative media, owning... She, I don't know if she still does own Channel 10, but she bought... There was a big chunk where she was basically trying to promote conservative voices, the Andrew Bolts and all the rest of it. Like, Gina Hancock... Gina Reinhart, sorry, is ex- sorry. That's right. I forgot for a minute that the mm. name on the thing that she's saying. Why is everybody so angry with me? It's her dad's name from the yes. Cool. But that's right. She's very political. She's not a neutral person at all. She 
is heavily involved in trying to change this country to make it a country that is nicer to billionaires and harder to ordinary people. That is Gina Reinhardt. Well, she continues to say, Firstly, because sport is at its best when it's focused on good and fair competition, with dedicated athletes striving for excellence to achieve their sporting dreams and represent our country at the best. Secondly, because they're more targeted in genuine ways to progress social or political causes without virtue signaling or for self-publicity. Yes, for example, you could do it the way I do it, by being extraordinarily rich and being able to buy people. Exactly. By being able to put your logo on things, right? You know, that sort of thing. And, and demand that... So, keep in mind, this is not a neutral thing. Like, whenever it comes calls come to tax billionaires, so, you know, maybe she could be taxed more than 2.5% on her vast increase in wealth in 2020. Maybe mm. maybe, maybe that, that vast wealth um, being taxed at such a pathetically low rate, not very just. How is it that we, we keep copying that? Because the billionaires like her, and mm. specifically her, will, will say, but... But we do a lot of philanthropy with our money. You can't tax us because we put back into the community in other ways. Yeah, you give but, a small amount back, demanding complete obedience. You launder your reputation through these things, and then, then you use that to boost your credibility when you're attacking us in other ways. But this is also the concept behind protests, right? That you can't protest because protesting is not objecting in the proper way. The proper way being the way that's acceptable. The acceptable way being the way that doesn't actually cause harm, that doesn't cause anyone to notice, that is within our structure, that doesn't actually change our structure yeah, at all. All you have to do Please, is be sir, really Please, sir, may rude. I have some more? I'm only here to say one thing, and my as a supplicant, I wish to offer to you that perhaps fossil fuels are bad, but now we'll go away, sir. Good sir, please don't hit me. Like, that that's what they want. Hey, if we can't, we, we can write a letter to the newspaper, and that is that is the appropriate level of balance. That's, that's the power that we ordinary people are going to have. And I'm sure that that will be very effective against the vast amounts of money that those companies can use to lobby politicians mm. and buy themselves positive coverage in the media, and launder their images through this, where they're not just giving the money silently so we don't hear about it. Mm. They're demanding that these sports players use their reputations, put their reputations, basically spend their reputations to make the reputations of these horrible companies better. Yeah. And again, you've got... This is on the, the, the netball one. Oh, Thank you to Hancock for trying to support Australian sport and keeping our economy economy going. Apologies for the media backlash and hypocrisy that's become the norm. Well, but even their media release is like them, they're, th- they're having a tanty. Hancock's proposed sponsorship would have enabled a generous increase to wages for players that it will not be otherwise possible given the netball's financial situation. So it's basically like, ha ha, you won't get your pay rises that you wanted now. Uh, and they also came the media. They're like, media reporting did not help or encourage sponsorships. It is amazing how quickly people are to just fawn, you know, lick the boots of the companies. If I was Hancock prospecting, I'd be withdrawing my support too. Do the Diamonds players realise that a diamond is created from carbon? I look forward to the same passion being shown towards a name change. <laughs> anyway, congratulations to Gina for being the adult in the negotiations. Netball Australia, good luck or good management covering off your substantial debt and your financial viability in the future. Netball Australia, care for what you wish for. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Well done, Gina. Good luck to the current and past players who didn't want this sponsorship. You got your way. Guess you'll all be out pounding the pavement trying to find new sponsors. The thing is, it's not the first time that sport... Like, sport has previously gotten up as a group and decided not to accept certain kinds of sponsorships. They've done it with gambling, and the AFL is hugely anti-gaming sponsorships. Um, 
though it's still on, on free to air TV. Like, there's a lot of sports out there. Cricket, uh, 20, uh, B, uh, the Big Bash League won't accept gambling sponsorships. Um, NRL's now saying they won't accept them, a bunch of the NRL teams. This is a thing that's happening and has happened. And it would be really great to see these teams getting on the front, like these these uh, sporting organizations getting on the front foot like the AFL or so other organizations mm. have been doing to say that, you know, they can't necessarily control what's on a free-to-air broadcast and there's way too many gaming ads, but they can control who gives money to the players and what's on the jerseys and, and normalizing it for people. It would be great to see these sporting organizations sit there and say, climate change is real, these are actual issues, and we are going to look for ethical sponsors. Yes. Talking very quickly, uh, a quick um, segue on the climate change thing. Did you see that the, the one of the things that came out this week with the Bureau of Meteorology's idiotic attempt to re... Sorry, the Bureau of Meteorology is managed by a, a bloke who was appointed by Turnbull. And they're the people who are like, we'll, we'll spend a whole lot of money trying to promote a name change to the Bureau, mm. rather than, which was idiotic and it's fallen apart completely. And they've been told by the new minister to pull their heads in something yes. stupid. But one of the things that's come out as a result of that objection from staff there is the revelations of just how much any discussion of climate change is currently suppressed within the Bureau. Yeah. Within BOM, you mean? Oh, God, I called it the Bureau. It oh, my, that's it. Get, get out of the house. Leave. Goodbye. Anyway, so, yes, there have been some more revelations. That, like, the Bureau of Meteorology was actually previously quite upfront. The new version is we can report things from the past, but we can't talk about climate change that's in the future. Your entire job is about forecasting. Yeah. Climate change is definitely part of forecasting. Anyway, sorry. Um, so yesterday it rained one millimeter here. Tomorrow, we can't tell you because that's in the future. We don't want to mention anything that can be connected with climate change. And the weather is definitely currently being influenced by climate change. So afraid we can't predict the weather anymore. Exactly. Anyway, so yeah. So while, while we've got these demands, and, and I... I Notice that it's not just people commenting on news limited stories and so forth. Like the the general attitude to the players is all very much, well, that's a disgrace. Those few women made, and now all the other players will suffer from netball Australia being broke. Minority activists now have hurt thousands of players. Hope they get sacked for not doing their work as they get paid to do that job. Pretty sure that their job is playing netball and not advocating for evil companies. Anyway, interestingly, the commentary from the right has, of course, been matching that commentary from, from ordinary commenters on Facebook. But it's been interesting seeing the same figures who are incredibly anti-trans, who are always talking about how their advocacy is not about attacking trans people, it's about saving women's sport. Mm. And yet they're the same people who've been turning around telling those women's sports people, shut up and take the money and do what the mining company tells you. Well, that is actually what they need to do, isn't it? Like, that is the moral of the story. They need to shut up and take the money and do what the mining company tells you. The way to save women's sport is to make it a vessel to launder the reputations of mining companies and shut up and do what the rich mining companies tell you. That's, that's, That's what women's sport's about. Which leads us to... I have now done something horrible to you, Denise, which is I've got you to watch the Media Watch story from this week. It... Yeah, I, I didn't actually want to watch it, and it made me just shake my head a lot. And um, there may have been some screaming at the laptop and Paul Barry and his supposed uncovering the bias. Yeah, so this week, it's been quite extraordinary. So MediaWatch has been around for a long time, and it has over its history done quite a good job of calling truth to power and holding the powerful to account, particularly when right-wing media have gone off the, the edge. However, under Paul Barry, they like the Labour Party. They like to bash the left to show how... Neutral and yeah, and and you know, how much they are the grown-ups in the room, and Paul Barry has a bit of an anti-trans history, including things like deliberately misgendering people online, and apparently the senior producer of Media Watch went to that thing at Melbourne University, which was 
where they're basically having a, a public debate on whether trans people mm. should exist, pretty much. Which, anybody who recognises that trans people are real people who deserve equality and... and Do you mean anyone decent? Yeah. We'll recognise that trans people's rights are not up for debate. In the same way as you can't have a... It's just a genuine discussion over whether people who aren't white should have equality, or women, or any marginalised group that has had to fight for... Or gay people. So we've gradually worked our way through... And Media Watch Now this week was demanding that the ABC present an other side whenever it's talking about trans people. So whenever you've got, like, trans people are real, we should respect people's pronouns and, and people's equal rights, and we shouldn't be misgendering people, we should be respectful of the fact that people who are in our audience include trans people, and we should be respecting their humanity in the same way as we respect the yeah. humanity of any other group. And the many watchers argument has been, yes, but what about the other side? And they're like, it wouldn't be any good for the ABC to be one-sided about the Republican issue or about the environment. Would it, what if they were just pro the science on climate change? Well, actually, they probably should be because there isn't really a sensible other side. Like, two-sidesism doesn't require you to be standing next to an open window where it's raining and be like, this person says it's raining, but let's talk to the people who say it isn't. Anyway, Paul Barry's two examples were of, of why this, why it was bad for the ABC to be getting awards from a, an LGBTI health organisation for its decent treatment of trans people. His ex- examples were, well, you, you couldn't have the ABC just being pro-Republic and not doing a monarchy side, and you can't have them be anti-fossil fuel without giving the fossil fuel side. I mean, I feel like one of them is pretty... No, it was, it was you couldn't take money from Greenpeace and then win an award for an environmental, like, uh, story. Yeah. As if there wasn't a fundamental difference between those might be political arguments, whereas the recognition of the humanity of people is not a political argument. When you're advocating against misogyny and the patriarchy and, and advocating for women to have equality with men mm. against in a system that traditionally that has not been the case, you don't have to get misogynists and men's rights activists in to talk to balance it out. Okay, it would be better if you didn't. Yes. In fact, you shouldn't. And when you're talking about uh, ethnic diversity and supporting groups that are not the dominant ethnic group in the country, you don't need to get some white supremacists on for balance. Oh, but, but doesn't that make sense? When you're talking about equality for LGBT... For, take out trans people for a moment. For lesbian and gay people, you don't need to get tra- um, homophobes on to talk about how their existence is sinful and wrong. No. It's exactly the same with trans people. And the fact that Media Watch ran this... It was extremely misleading the whole way through. Like, well, all of the people they quoted were were TERFs. And, and as in trans-exclusionary radical... Fa- Sorry, I shouldn't use the word TERF. I should call them farts. Yes. Feminism-appropriating reactionary transphobes. Yes. But they were also all people who had appeared at that Melbourne thing, pretty much. And they quoted two or three that had actually appeared at that night uh, in the Melbourne Uni thing. Well, they had they had the guy from the who was it the National Association of Psychiatrists, as in which has his mobile phone number and it was entirely anti-trans stuff on the website. Like, yeah. it's not the actual Association of Psychiatrists. Yes, it's one that looked. MediaWatch reported it as if this was the national body for psychiatrists, oh, and they, which it, it isn't. But really. It seemed like a defense for this uh, Melbourne Uni pride in prejudice sort of uh, form that they had because John Barry had a real go at writing excellent music for James Bond films. But Paul Barry on Media Watch. <laughs> Paul Barry on Media Watch, my, apology, my apologies. Um, had a real go at all of the organizations that pulled out because they said it, they felt it was unsafe because they felt that this was going to be basically a trans bashing night. And... Which, which Media Watch did not report. So Media Watch did not actually 
reach out to any of those organizations and give them an opportunity to respond. They they spoke to Acon, the health lobby, yeah. and they put them at the very end, yeah. buried at the end. And he did it, it with that, he's... like, eyebrow raise that he does it when he talks about, oh, how they said this, you yeah. know, like... But when they're talking about... When, when he's talked about they were put them pulling out, he did not cite any... quote any of them as to why they were pulling out. Well, he did mention that some of them quoted their concerns. Yeah. So he didn't actually let them express yeah. those concerns. Yeah. And, and, and also... Even in, so, here's an example. He talked about how there was a panel on Q and A on trans women in sport, mm. and he quoted a a random um, turf on Twitter. Sorry, a fart on Twitter. As Q and A put together a panel to talk about inclusion in sport, and social media lit up with complaints from women about the lack of balance. This week's Q and A on ABC Australia is on trans inclusion in women's sport. A panel of men and one woman who is openly pro-trans. Where is our voice? The stories of women directly impacted by sex self-ID. Now, you can see in that picture, there are two women on the panel. Mm. One of them is a trans woman. And deliberately, just they just put that there and let it through as if the trans woman, not a woman, doesn't count. As if that's fine, that's, that's how Media Watch covers trans people. Like He just deliberately misgendered somebody through another person's voice, but without correcting it. Now, you'll be surprised to learn that Media Watch has been celebrated by the turf community for this hard-hitting expose of putting all of their bullshit unchallenged in in a really harmful way. This is the first time that Media Watch, when they've tweeted uh, their episode, have locked comments on Twitter. Yeah, they knew what was coming. Yeah. It was appalling. And so far, I don't know what pushback there's been. I encourage everybody to ring the Media Watch uh, line and leave a message. Send them. hell, everybody should make a complaint. You, you watch that episode for more than two seconds, you can ring. Like I had up until that episode started playing, because it comes up on my podcast feed. You can have Media Watch come up as a podcast in your, in your podcast feed, and it came up. And normally, Media Watch calls out some interesting things, and and it's usually been a pretty good result. Right, and a bit thought-provoking. We don't always agree with it, but it's interesting. And it also sometimes catches stories in the news that we don't necessarily know or catch, captures other sides of it that we yeah. weren't aware of. That, that just can be interesting. And I was just listening to it, and I was like, hang on. Wait, they did... What are you... Hang on, wait a minute. What are you saying? And then... And I was waiting for the other... Like, them at least to do some attempt at balance at some point in the middle, and they never did. They, it was the most one-sided... And all of the people they, they cited were... <laughs> misleadingly represented as if they were independent experts when they are all TERFs. Yeah. Sorry, farts. And even the woman from Melbourne Uni was talking at the very beginning was so misleading because she's doing that conversation around how people who are just trying to have a civil and open conversation about these issues, we've been bullied out of our jobs and we've been hurt and harmed and, and, and taken down publicly. As, as if a simple discussion can't be harmful. Like, yeah, if like you're, you if are you're causing talking about actual is... harm to people. It is not just a civil discussion that you're having. I don't know God on this, but once the once he conference was a conference where they talked about things like... Yeah. The horrible things can come out of debates about people's general human rights. Yes. It's just, ugh, it's, it's horrible. Basically, I, at this point, I think people should be reporting it to ACRA. I'd agree. One of the big things that Media Watch has always complained about is how ineffective the media regulator is when organisations do this sort of harm mm-hmm. and, are, and when news reporting organisations do such shitty journalism. Well, it would be awesome for them to be slammed on the, from the same people that they regularly say other people should Absolutely. Be. Which actually neatly segues to the next subject. So, the Greens this week have been being slammed on the grounds that because you advocate for higher standards for other people, we should hold you to really, really high standards. 
In fact, you should, so essentially, you should be punished because you advocate for better. Which I know is what I just did with MediaWatch. It's more that they've just done something terrible. They can demonstrate for us how media organizations should respond properly when called out for shitty behavior. Because I, I don't want MediaWatch to be punished by being taken off the air. I don't want it to be destroyed. I just want MediaWatch to recognize it's done the horrible thing, acknowledge it, do a whole new episode on what they should have done better to try and fix it. I want them to be required to fix it, and I would like them to obey the authorities. And that that's they... not holding them to a higher standard. That's just trying to hold them to a standard that they espouse as well. It's not actually saying now your standard must be higher than everyone else. It's just saying that you should actually be held to a standard. So, the Greens and Lydia Thorpe. Now, so, I don't really... Maybe I can just sort of discredit this entire commentary before I even start by saying, I don't really understand why Lydia Thorpe dating a person who had previously been a bikey while sitting on a justice committee that may or may not have been discussing things about organised crime, which he wasn't involved with, I don't think that that is a corrupt... Is corruption or conflict? Like, is there some actual evidence that of there being a conflict there? Mm. Then, sure. And I suppose in order to prevent... I suppose part of the point is that you've got to be open... It's not that she had that dating. It was dating him at that point. It was that if there is a... Plausible nexus. Yep. Yeah, it's it's not just not doing the wrong thing, but it's being seen not doing the wrong thing. So, as part of the disclosure, the disclosure, you're supposed to. If she'd announced that that's who she was had dated, it would have given them the ability if to there were any make concerns. a statement. So or, some... or it would give the the committee the information it needed that if it was going to be covering anything that did overlap, yeah, then she could be excluded from that element. Like, so I, I do understand that there is that there is an importance to disclosure. Yeah. And it is the difference between perceived and substantive, substantial conflict of interest, where, you know, a perceived conflict of interest is just, you're both members of an organization, you just happen to, you know, your kids play footy at this place, and you're discussing that place in 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 some meetings. Whereas a substantive conflict of interest is that the person was an active bikey, or you are a member, an active member of the board of that organization. Like, it's just, yeah, there's different levels of things. Anyway, Lydia has resigned as the deputy leader of the Greens in the Senate. She's not the deputy leader of the Greens. That's I think it's Marine Faruqi. And the media are baying to have her destroyed. They want. Mm. They obviously one nation is looking at doing a, a censure motion, and it may, Labor might go along with them. Rewind two or three weeks where Marine Faruqi was um, the Greens had put a censure motion against Pauline Hanson yeah. on the grounds of Pauline Hanson's "Go back to Pakistan" remarks to Marine Faruqi. The classic, like it's hard to find something that's more racist. It's the central premise being if you weren't born here. Go and back. you have a political view that's different from mine. The place of your birth, so it could not be more racist, is the grounds on which you don't have a legitimacy to have a political view that's different to mine. Yeah. Like, and yet the Senate did not censure Pauline Hanson. They ended up doing a general thing, censuring racism of all kinds. They basically all lives mattered it. They basically yeah. like, so they, they broadened it till it could include the insanity of what the right objects to being this fictional thing of anti-white racism. Yeah. Which is not a thing, because that's not what racism is. Racism is when... The isms, sexism, racism, all the rest of things, are when the powerful group punches down to the less powerful group. The less powerful it's, group, it's affirmative the, action is not ra- racism. It is the abuse of structural inequity. Yeah. So they're looking at potentially censoring her, and it's just one of those classic things where I like this quote from Independent Australia, which is, I don't think that those howling for Thorpe to resign outright, be they Peter Dutton or a hundred interchangeable columnists, care much either. They're doing the traditional dance of parliamentary politics, wherein one tests to see if an opponent's bad press can snowball until they quit. Doesn't that really just summarise yep. most of Australian politics? That's all it is. You find somebody that this a scandal is, 
you keep pushing pressure, 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 pressure until it snowballs and they can quit. And that's much easier for the right to do because they've got much more of the media on side who'll keep things mm. hammering. And it's much easier for the conservatives. Like, that's how they get away with Alan Tudge and the, or Barnaby Joyce. Like, or the, Susan Lee. Susan Lee is out here this week demanding... What, what was the quote from Susan Lee? It was, uh, she's unfit to serve in Parliament. Lee's asked whether Senator Thorpe stepping down was where it should end and whether the matter should now be dropped. And surprisingly, Susan Lee says... Definitely not. I completely agree with Peter Dutton and his remarks that she's unfit to serve in the Senate. From day one with Lydia Thorpe, it's always been about her. That That's the thing objecting to her. Calling the Queen from a colonising nation a coloniser. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like her swearing in was different because how dare she be Indigenous. It's never been about the institution she serves. It she's not serving it. She's advocating again. Anyway, sorry. The idea that, that they serve the, the establishment rather than mm. advocating our, our representatives Empowered, not the other way around. Anyway, the institution she serves and the privilege that she has representing the great state of Victoria. Uh, by the way, that really that really annoys me. The idea that the conservatives have that being government is the power and MPs should work for it, and that's also why government is oppressive, as opposed to the way lefties view government, which is government is actually our servant. Yes. And polit- MPs shouldn't be government's representatives to us. They're our representatives in the government. The other way around. Anyway, Susan Lee, the travel rorter, the one who had to resign because of all... You know, the one where she made taxpayers pay to fire up to check out an an investment property she was buying. Exactly. That one. That's Susan Lee. The one who had to resign and is just sort of being quietly moved back to the bench, having served her time for, like, actual, like, misuse of taxpayer funds. And yet she's demanding higher standards. She's trying to portray that as corruption. Peter Dutton and au pair visas and his yeah. owning his child cares and not declaring things. Like, there's heaps and heaps of examples of the right doing this sort of thing. And, and, and they're still and, there. And, and Labour doing this sort of thing, and they're still there. And, like, uh, Bridget and McKenzie is, you know, she's... She's is she the she, she's the liberal leader in the Senate now after sports rorts. She was still at, at the election. She was still going around doing yeah. after the whole sports rorts thing. She was still in that role. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. She wasn't. She was in a different role, giving out a different multi-million funding agreement. Funding yeah. agreement. She's still right in a role handing out funds. For, yeah. Yeah. So, so <laughs> let's be clear. What Lydia Thorpe has done doesn't hurt you or me. It doesn't hurt any of us. Like. She had, should, should she have said that she was dating someone that there could have been a perceived conflict of interest? Probably. Did she? No. However, should she be drummed out of the Senate and uh, basically her life destroyed? Absolutely. Freaking not. It is a minor, minor, minor thing again, in the whole case of everything. Again, I don't know that it's destroying her life is the aim. Although, I mean, yes, there's a lot of anger from the conservative right because they really hate her as an angry... Well, as as she would describe herself, as the, the angry black woman trope. Mm. thing. Like the person who will stand up in Parliament and say, "I'm, I'm not um, calling the Queen a coloniser." Like yeah. that's what she's, she's, she's calling truth to power. She's quite also a lot. the woman standing up and saying, "You know, it's not enough to just have an Indigenous voice in Parliament. You need to also progress treaty. And like you need thing. to do these other things as well." And that's the thing as well that she is standing up there saying, "It's really important to progress all of these other actions as well." I think there are three aims here. One, destroy the woman we don't like because she's rude and lefty. Yeah. And we don't. We, the, the thing we can't stand is quote an angry black woman. That, that thing, that's one. They hate her. Two. It's very handy if we have a thing where we can bash the greens next time they come at us for one of our actual corruptions that actually hurt people. Yeah. It's very handy for us to be able to turn back and say, "Oh, that's the pot calling the kettle black," and to undermine. Yeah. So it, it's, it's to really punch important. Punch the greens, which you know, Elbow actually loves punching the greens. So this is right up his alley, anyway. Well, so there's a fourth thing, which is trying to harm the Greens generally. But but I was saying specifically, the yeah. aim there is to undermine uh, further attacks on them in the future when they do really corrupt things. 
So, and then I think the third thing is exactly what you're talking about. Literally, the things that Lydia Thorpe advocates for are things that they want to stop. Mm. You do not want what they want is a bunch of they they want Indigenous people to be compliant to the, and and cop the sop of, of the voice and and cop that as the end of it. Yeah. They don't and want then they can say that they have implemented it. Yeah. Yeah. And Lydia Thorpe is the kind of person who won't do that. So for all those reasons, they must crush her. So if this was the other way around, if it was a she was a right wing person, this corruption was there. Then the fact that right after that happened, another person with the same initials uh, had to resign after forty four days of being the prime minister of Britain, that might have smothered it. But because it's Lydia Thorpe and the the, the the conservative media have not had their pound of flesh, and they're a lot more powerful than the whatever the lefty media is or lefty media are. Sorry, media is plural. Anyway, media are plural. I, I think they're going to keep trying to hammer it, but I don't. I don't know how far they're going to get. Uh, you would think that they couldn't get very far because fundamentally, nothing that she's done really has an impact on ordinary people's lives in a bad way. Like, but it is the sort of lurid stuff that, for some reason, uh, the bikey stuff sells newspapers. So, for some reason, people tend to be fixated on. I don't know. Anyway, I, I suppose. Can I just say how strange it is coming from Canada? The word bikey, because that to me implies a preschooler on a bike going Does around it? in the neighborhood. They're bikers in Canada. And if you ever walked up to any of the bikers and said, you're a bikey, they would, oh my God, you get punched in the teeth. That's hilarious. Yeah. Like to me, yeah. A bikey. Do, the, do the, bike, the bikies in Australia call themselves bikies? Or is that, is that just the media? I have no idea. I've, I've never really had in-depth conversations with bikies in Australia. I, I have, just got this I have image now. with some bikers in Canada, but you know. I just got this image now of, bikers at a biker convention and somebody's calling them bikies and they're sorry it's just very trekkies trekker like <laughs> no i'm a biker not a bikey yeah. um but speaking of, of, of peter dutton and, and the comment there though how he loves to call things out and how peter dutton is always on the money you did mention the other woman named lt and uh if we go back to the 5th of september we can see one of those times where peter dutton is uh amazingly prescient and uh well-spoken and right on the money I congratulate Liz Truss on her election to the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Truss Liz is an incredibly intelligent, pragmatic, and courageous leader who will not only make a fine Prime Minister, but also lead Britain through challenges domestic and foreign. Well played, Peter. Well called. Well called. All right. Well, I think we might leave that one there. (laughs) Um, Thank you, everybody, for supporting the podcast. Thank you to all of our continuing Patreon subscribers. Because there was a big gap in episodes when we weren't recording regularly, I do understand that people were like, well... Maybe my Patreon support can sort of lapse at this point because you're you're not doing the work, Jeremy. Exactly. Oh, we can't. But we are back. So if that was you, we would very much appreciate your your continued support because uh, continuing the podcast does have costs. Like there's hosting costs and there's various other costs to do with. In fact, with some equipment, we need to upload upgrade as well because uh, currently we're down to the one microphone, which undermines the recording quality a little bit. So Patreon subscribers, thank you for doing all that. Thank you to Alex Lum for the artwork. Thank you, Robin Gray, for the music. Uh, thank you, everybody who's left a positive review on iTunes. Thank you, anybody who comments uh, at Well May We Say on Twitter to, to engage with us. And we will see you all next week. See you next week. Bye.